0: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Dr. Michael Youssef.
1: Paul himself recognized that his strength did not come from his intellect, and yet he was an intellectual powerhouse. Paul himself recognized that his strength did not come from his ability to articulate his message, and yet he was the most articulate man of his day. Paul himself recognized that he did not take pride in any of these things, but he took pride in whom he is, to whom he belongs.
0: Thanks for listening to Leading the Way, featuring the Bible teaching of pastor and author Dr. Michael Youssef. In the first century, Paul evangelized many people, cities and nations, planting churches along his journeys. He also wrote much of the New Testament through his encouraging letters to Christians and churches in his day. Yet he didn't take pride in all that he did. His pride was in the Saviour he served. Today's Leading the Way episode is called When Pride is Good. Listen with me as he begins.
1: Many of us have heard about the seven deadly sins, that pride is one of those seven deadly sins that are hard to define oh yes, I know the dictionaries and the books are full of definitions of pride, but in reality, pride is better understood by its symptoms than by definition. So what are the symptoms of pride? Well, listen carefully. I'm going to read nine of them. Nine symptoms of pride. One, stealing from God's glory and taking credit for gifts that He has given us. Number two, self-centeredness. Number three, A determined spirit. Number four, the feeling of superiority. Number five, sarcasm. Number six, a judgmental and a critical spirit. Number seven, I wish it wasn't there, but it is here, impatience. Number eight is unteachable spirit. And number nine is self-pity. Self-pity. The truth is that we all at some point in our lives, and I'm talking about Christians, believers who know and love the Lord, each one of us at some point in our lives have struggled with one of these symptoms or more or all of these symptoms. And so the question is, how do we have victory over pride? I'm not the kind of preacher that I'm going to hammer things to death and about pride, but I'm going to focus on the positive living. Here's a prescription. Express utter dependence on God daily in every area of your life, both publicly and privately. And secondly, come to terms with your fears. Come to terms with your failures. Come to terms with your insecurities. Define them confess them, and daily claim victory over them. Someone said, pride is like a beard. You have to shave it every day. You cannot let it grow without looking scruffy. Peter Marshall had a great advice about pride, and it's very succinct. He said, when successful, don't crow; When defeated, don't croak. I love that. But still, there are some people who are still confused about pride. There really are. There are people who are still confused about one of those seven deadly sins. I read about this young pastor who was preaching his heart out against pride, and he preached against pride. The whole morning, Preach preached against pride. And at the end of the service, this woman came up to him, and she said, oh, pastor, I've got to confess to you. I've got to confess to you. I have the sin of pride. I always fall in that sin. I have fallen in that sin this morning before I came to church. He said, Tell me about it. She said, Well, I just stood there in front of the mirror for one hour just admiring my beauty. And the pastor pondered for a moment and then he said, That lady, that is not pride, that's imagination. (laughs) I told you some people are confused. (laughs) But today I want to talk to you about good pride. Good pride. You say, is there a good pride? Absolutely. I'm going to tell you all about it today. It is the twelfth principle in the fifteen principles of the secret of positive living. Please turn in your Bibles, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Right in the last two verses, verses 17 and 18, Paul literally in a loud voice, if he was speaking, he would have been yelling, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. He spends the whole chapter, chapter 10, giving you the characteristics of good pride. And then he comes right in the last two verses, and he's saying, that is a good pride, and you can take pride in it. After describing these characteristics, the Apostle Paul comes in and he says, listen, let me tell you about this boasting. Let me tell you about this bragging. Let me tell you about this type of pride. It is a pride that you can display till your heart's content. It is the kind of pride that you can exhibit and you can brag about without worry. It is the kind of pride that you can enjoy without guilt. This is the kind of pride, he said, that you can revel in it, that you can live in it, that you can delight in it. Let him who wants to brag, brag on the Lord. Let him who wants to boast, boast on the Lord. Let him who wants to take pride, take pride on the Lord. And so, he gives us those three characteristics. There are probably more, but those are the summary of the characteristics of good pride as you find them in this chapter, chapter 10. First, he said, this kind of good pride exhibits mercy, verses 1 to 6. Secondly, he said, this kind of pride, it's a pride that builds up, verses 7 to 11. Thirdly, he said, this kind of pride is tenacious, verses 12 to 18. It is the kind of pride that exhibits mercy. You see, the difference between good pride and bad pride… It's very clear. Bad pride always seeks personal vengeance. Bad pride always wants to suck it to them. Bad pride says, show no mercy. Bad pride says, destroy them and wipe them out. But good pride says, be gentle. Be gracious. Be patient. Look at verse 1 in the gentleness, or in some translations you have meekness, of Christ, I appeal to you. Please listen carefully. Most people everywhere are confused about the difference between weakness and meekness. In fact, I dare say if you walk down the street and you ask the average person, he will tell you that meekness means weakness. And the truth is, there are opposites. They could not be further from each other, because meekness means power, not weakness. It means power under control. Meekness is when you have the upper hand to hurt your opponent, but you choose not to. Meekness is when you are in a position of strength against your critic, Ah, but you choose not to use it. That's the bottom line. Listen, questioning meekness or confusing it with weakness is not unique to our culture. For generations, for thousands of years, that is the case. Back in the Roman culture where Paul lived, it was the case. People have always confused weakness with meekness. Isn't This is nothing new. They have misunderstood Paul's mercy and compassion as lack of confidence. That's what he's trying to answer here. They have misinterpreted Paul's genuine humility with cowardness. That's what they were calling him, really. But you see, their criticism did not bother Paul. You know, all that Paul is concerned about, he's concerned that his friends do not buy into that lie. That's all he's concerned about. He's defending himself here in this chapter. The world will always misinterpret compassion and mercy. And they will always think that we are up to something. Yeah, we're up to loving them, because that's what we commanded to do. The world does not comprehend that boldness for the truth and compassion have to go hand in hand. I've seen people who are bold for the truth, they become abusive and self-righteous. Paul said, I'm not going to do that because I am modeling my Lord Jesus Christ and He speaks the truth. He is the truth, but He had compassion and mercy. What they didn't comprehend is that Paul himself recognized his own inadequacies. <laughs> that Paul himself knew that his strength did not come from his physique, and yet he was able to take more pain than ten men put together. Paul himself recognized that his strength did not come from his intellect, and yet he was an intellectual powerhouse. Paul himself recognized that his strength did not come from his ability to articulate his message, and yet he was the most articulate man of his day. Paul himself recognized that he did not take pride in any of these things, but he took pride in whom he is, to whom he belongs. Look at verse 4. He said, the weapons with which we fight are not the weapons of the world. Listen to me very carefully, please. This is important. The reason so many called modern apologists are running around and not leading people to Christ is because they rely on their intellect. They rely on their eloquence. They rely on knowledge. They rely on their power of reasoning. They rely on their clever techniques. Paul said, I don't do that. I don't do that. For my weapons are divinely powerful. My weapons alone can destroy the enemy's strongholds. My weapons, supernatural weapons, can destroy the enemy's fortress." My weapons can divinely inspire to destroy the lies of Satan. My weapons will put the enemy to shame. You see, Paul understood because as a former guru, religious guru if you like, his head was full of knowledge, but his heart was not surrendered. As a great philosopher of the Jewish religion, one of the top scholars All of his knowledge helped to do is build a fortress for which Christ couldn't get in. That's all knowledge does. That's all religion does. That's what ritual does. It just builds a fortress. And people go into it over and over and over again, and they never get penetrated. The gospel doesn't penetrate them. Why? Because it is a fortress, and Paul recognized that. He said, these things have kept me from Christ. In fact, it led him to persecute the followers of Christ. It led him to try to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. And that is why only when the Lord Jesus Christ supernaturally pounded on that fortress on the road to Damascus, he was on the floor saying, what do you need, Lord? What do you want me to do? Only the power of the Word of God and not clever arguments that can destroy strongholds. Only the sword of the Word of God, not self serving and, and man centered arguments, has the power to destroy false belief systems. Beloved, listen to me. The only success that you and I can experience in spiritual warfare is knowing how to wield the sword of the Word of God. That's it. Good pride exhibits mercy. Secondly, good pride builds up. Look at verses 7 to 11. Paul is pleading with the Corinthians to examine the evidence objectively. He said, look at the evidence. Look at the evidence. He said, don't judge me on the basis of appearance. Don't judge me on the basis of what they say. Look at the way I lived among you. Look at the way I lived among my colleagues day and night. Don't look at the outward appearances of and the false accusations of these false teachers. Examine their life and compare it with mine. He was very open. He was very open. He was not hiding anything. And he said, here's what you should be looking for in a person. Does he or she has a life that's impacting people positively or negatively. Uh, does he or she edify the body or tears down the body? Does he strengthen the body or weakens the body? Does he or she help others in their spiritual progress or hinder them? That's how you should judge, that's what Paul is saying here. This is how you judge them. Not on how good they look, not on how well they speak, not on on how good they act in public, not on how they play the role. No, 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 no. He says, judge the lives. And Paul is saying, listen to me, look at the consistency of my life. Look at my commitment to Christ. Look at my lifestyle. I am the same person in private as I am in public. Paul was saying, that I am the same person in speech, I'm the same person in writing, I'm the same person that you encounter wherever you go. My integrity is impeccable. Good pride exhibits mercy. Secondly, good pride builds up. Thirdly, good pride is persistent and tenacious. Do you know what the core meaning of humility is? I want to give you a definition of humility, very short and very, very brief. I pray to God you'll never forget it. Here it is. It is a genuine conviction of one's unworthiness of the grace of God, and that's it. It does not mean that you'll be a doormat. No, 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 no. That's not the meaning of humility in the Bible. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3, He said the real humble people are those who can truly say that without the grace of God, I'm spiritually bankrupt. True humility says, I am more than eager to give God all of the credit for everything good that happened in my life. Look at Paul. Look at Paul. He is one man, human being, more than any other human being impacted the church of Jesus Christ. You would agree, right? But look at what he was contended to call himself. He called himself a clay jar. He called himself wretched man. He called himself the least of all the apostles. He called himself the least of all the saints. He called himself the foremost of sinners. Contrast that with the arrogance and the pride of false teachers of his day. And you will understand what he's trying to tell us about good pride. Humility does not mean surrender to the enemies of Christ. Did you get that? Humility does not mean that you give up the fight for the truth. Humility does not mean that you just fold up your tent to the false teachers and the false teaching and let them walk all over you. No, 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 that's not in my Bible. (laughs) On the contrary, humility and the exhibiting of good pride, humility and pride of who the Lord is, compels us to be tenacious and uncompromising of the truth. Humility must make us boastful people, boastful not in us, not in our accomplishment, not on who we are, but in who Jesus is. Boastful in what? Truth. Boastful in our weakness, but His strength. Boastful in our shortcomings, but His power. Boastful in our utter dependence on Him. Boastful of our surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Good pride means that I'm not going to stand here and talk about my accomplishment, talk about my credentials. Listen to what David said in Psalm 20, verse 7. He said, Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. And in Psalm 34, two, he said, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. That's what good pride is all about. What Paul is saying here, he's saying, I have pride. But my pride is in the Lord who loves me, is in the Lord who redeemed me. It's in the Lord who died for me. It's in the Lord who rose again from the dead for me. It's in the Lord who promised to give me victory and triumph. It is in the Lord who promised strength and power in my life. It's in the Lord who is my stronghold and my fortress. That's good pride. That's good pride. I was thinking about this and And I was thinking, you know, it's easy for me, and it's easy for many of you to do this. But perhaps there's one here today, somebody here today who can say, you know, I really can't do this. I can't say that. I can't take pride in the Lord. In fact, I'm angry with the Lord. How can I take pride in Him? I prayed once, and I asked the Lord, and He would not answer me. I asked God to give me something, but He would not. I'm angry with God. How can I pride myself in the Lord. Beloved, listen to me. That means that you have never understood what it means to be owned and operated by the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never understood that He and He alone walks with you in the dark valleys as well as in the bright mountaintops, that He loves you and that even when you walk through the valley, He's walking with you, and He's doing it for a reason. It means that you may never have experienced the sweetness of His Lordship over your life, but you can begin today. You can begin today. Some think that Christianity and God is just like a slot machine. You know, you put the coin in and If you don't get what you want, you get mad and you kick the machine. No, friend. No, beloved. No. No, 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 no. And I know God is speaking to some of you today. He cares for every single hair on your head. And if you have never experienced the sweetness of the fellowship and companionship in the most difficult times in life, you would not be able to know how to brag About the Lord because those of us who have experienced all kinds of pain and held on to him can testify to you that him who boasts boasts in the Lord we can brag about him because he walks with you in the valley he holds your hand he carries you today you can have good pride
0: Thanks for joining Dr. Michael Yusuf, for Leading the Way. If you'd like to speak with someone about anything you've heard today or previously on other episodes, reach out to the Leading the Way pastoral team. Start a conversation with a compassionate and caring team member by filling out a short contact form at ltw.org connect. Well, time's up for today. But listen again next time as Dr. Yusuf continues his series, The Secrets of Positive Living when jealousy is a virtue right here on leading the way this program is furnished by leading the way with dr michael youssef passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth around the world learn more at ltw.org